Hello and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for today or tomorrow or Tuesday or Thursday or Saturday or in the AM or in the PM or at midnight or when the clocks go forward, whenever, because after all it's your podcast. Now, some people come in this show an awful lot and a lot of people that I know have been on a couple of times, but there's been one guy who, for various reasons, the stars have never ever aligned. So we decided <laughs> just one day we're just going to do this. It's just going to happen. So tonight I'm presenting the the I guess he's like the continuously successful, the man who hasn't only smashed open his head but he's he's cracked his brain from brain crack games. <laughs> it's the rather it's a rather amazing, the rather patient. <laughs> Oh dear, Mr. Lewis Shaw. Hello. Hello. I, was gonna, I was waiting for you to say my name, so I could actually say hello. <laughs> and then you cracked me with that. So there you go. Get it? No, I, I didn't want to... <clears throat> Listen, I do, I do the jokes here, Sonny. It's oh. not in the script if you refer to page 15 of the show notes. Oh yeah, there it He's, is. Don't yeah. do jokes in big well, red yeah. comic sans. Exactly. Well, it's multicoloured comic sans, if you don't mind. It's rainbow-coloured comic um. sans. Because that's what funny people do. That's how you recognise somebody with a sense of humour, because everything they do is in comic sans. But um... I, that's what I do when I'm trying to come across as deadly serious. <laughs> you'll you'll only know when I'm angry when all my emails are sent in comic sans. <laughs> is that why the do you really want me on email tonight that you got sent me? <laughs> <laughs> tonight of all nights. Of all nights. It's like why is that? It's like well, it's double Corey tonight, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Never miss double Corey. How are you though? I mean, are you well? I mean, it's delightful to actually have you on and have you, have you here, and have yeah, you chatting. I'm, I'm good. I'm having, honestly, the 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 weeks I'm having at the moment are just sort of havoc with two uh, kickstarters being not fulfilled in the post postal sense, but sort of up in the air simultaneously trying to juggle both of them. Yeah, and having several exciting projects further down the line that I'm trying to make sure that all the, you know, the legwork gets done for early on. And, oh, it's been manic. Well, that's good. But it's, no, as I say, it's long over <laughs> you since kind of having you, having you kind of on. Um, for people that haven't joined us before, thank you very much for listening, um, especially all the people in America. Howdy. Because we have more listeners in America than we do in the UK. Howdy. Let's let, let, let's let's expose them to our terrible American accents. <laughs> every every time I listen to an American podcast, and they're like, "Oh, let's do English accents," and it's always simultaneously cringeworthy and so so listenable. It's simultaneously like Alfred in the nineteen sixties Batman cartoon kind of yeah. thing. Everybody but, always goes for posh, but that kind of thing. Yeah, but Cockney. go it's beating like by me, Governor. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> Awful, terrible. Um, yeah, but for people that haven't listened to us before, uh, thank you for joining us. The reason that we do this is because we wholeheartedly believe that there's sim- there's not enough podcasts no near about board games, especially not in Scotland. Well, we're getting there because we've now got Unlucky Frog and then joining them was Brainwaves, who have just appeared Ooh. out of nowhere. I don't know if that's your doing with you having your, your little no, brain but, crack games and stuff like that. But my lawyers will be in touch. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah, people might be quite confused. I don't think we've actually said the name of my company yet. So we these haven't. Jokes no. might be flying over their head. That's fine. I don't expect most jokes that we do to be flying over people's heads. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, um, your your company is called Brain Crack Games. Yes. You've been. Was it how long you've been around for now? Is it about three, four years now? Uh, only, only two. Really? Yeah, we've just gone past the first, um, the the second anniversary of our first release. That's amazing. So, yeah, it's That's actually years. really, 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 really cool. Um, yeah, no, but as I say, it's um, it's all it's as I say, I have long overdue. I've apologised profusely already. So let's go on with the show. <laughs> but we've got you on here for a couple of reasons. We obviously want to talk um, as you being what you would call a seasoned Kickstarter Kickstarter creator now. Um, but it's just to find out a little bit more about yourself, really. Um, and obviously find out a little bit more about the projects you've done and also look, you know, and the potential projects that you're going to do. So we are going to have a little... Um, <clears throat> I guess we're going to have a little look at the downsides of the past, you know, before staring at the mind out of the present and going off into the far sight of the future, um, you know. <laughs> Nice, and, I like uh, that. We shall take and it then the, the den and breakfast of slightly beyond that. It doesn't quite carry. <laughs> it doesn't, no. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, and then afterwards you wake up after. No, it doesn't work. I wish I'll I could have, have been as, as, as well planned as to plan all my Kickstarters <laughs> in kind of chronological in game order. You should have actually done that. You should have actually started off with um, dead and breakfast. I'm just saying, I'm not judging, you know. <laughs> yeah, with but, the benefit of hindsight, I would have. But, um, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, how, how did you get into the hobby in the first place? I mean, what's your kind of your history with the hobby? So, yeah, it was, like most people, the kind of growing up with the Monopolies and the Yahtzees and the, those sorts of things. And then um, it was a couple of years ago, a friend of uh, Emily's, my fiancé, um, brought over, I think it was Betrayal of the House on the Hill was the first Mm-hmm. kind of glimpse that I got and then as we played more and more things I kind of realised this this aligns with my skills and interests and I can maybe do this myself um, and that's when I started well I was going to say that was when I started designing Downsides but there was one much larger and infinitely more terrible game before that <laughs> that does not get mentioned Listen, Frank West spoke about his Egyptian Monopoly, if you think you're getting away with not telling us about this horribly huge... Ah uh, yeah Benedict Cumberbatch of a game. That's fair. You've got another, you've got another thing coming. You know, he gave us Egypt. You know, what are you bringing to the table, Lewis? What it was, was it? it was a game. It was it was called Wasteland of Opportunity, and I guess I fancied it as like the next Fallout, but for but for tabletop. This was before Fallout got way too much space on tabletops. Yeah, um, and it was like a kind of semi-modular map. Uh, exploration, different, you know, objectives, lots, lots and lots of, you know, unique cards with different things that they did, and it was all completely incomprehensible. And I did manage to get my friends who, you know, the elevator pitch must have sounded good because they sat through it at least once. Um, but then after that, we were like, let's let's maybe try something a bit less adventurous. So yeah, there were like lots of different characters that you could play as and you were like assigned them randomly and they all had kind of, there were lots of different things that they wanted to do, but because I hadn't designed much of the actual game, they were kind of limited to like run to this corner of the board 
you know, kill this many people. Like, it's kind of weird, sort of arbitrary stuff using only what had been designed in it already. Um, and it was it was just a pain to play and design. And, it, yeah. Was this, I mean, was this at the same time that you were playing kind of... Um other games as well did you kind of play away and then go back and say right i'm gonna go i'm gonna go on my wasteland let's yeah let's it was probably it was probably really influenced by um betrayal and that it was kind of moving around drawing a card that explains what happens in a place and quite kind of theme driven um, so i mean how long ago was that that was yeah probably about three that was probably about a year before downsize came out yeah yeah have you always have you always tinkered about with stuff before then i mean when we were playing other kind of games did you always look at kind of like changing mechanics or bringing in house rules or yeah i I was i was always i was always thinking about uh sort of game design in the big picture so i play a lot of video games and and would think about you know what makes this good why why am i enjoying this i'd be quite like kind of critically analyzing a lot of the time but i'd never quite sat down and started started tinkering before um so i think once i got over those initial kind of uh mistakes of like you know what is actually enjoyable at the table for people to do i felt like it came fairly naturally i mean is that is what is the board game stuff is that connected to I, i mean are you still working a job job or is this what you do on a full-time basis um i work a uh, regular day job for about 40 hours a week wow. and then uh come home and do this as well so you're just coming home no matter what kind of day it is and then just crack it on is it a nice little escape sometimes from everything else or sometimes sometimes it's a bit of a kind of crazy nightmare um, yeah and but but it's it's it, it's trying to get through it's like anything really it's it's trying to get through the bad bits so you can get back to the things you you really enjoy because of course if you neglect the important parts like you know shipping games and customer service and stuff like that <laughs> everyone will hate you and they won't care what you've designed when you were doing you know all the fun bits yeah exactly yeah you don't want to be that person um but i mean is so you you put wasteland to one side I mean, is that when you thought, well, actually, I'll go for something that's a, a bit more simpler, a bit more easier to kind of get to the table? Yeah, I knew I wanted to do something a bit simpler. Yeah. Um, something with a bit more, that, that felt a bit more unique. Uh-huh. Um, that that being said, it took a large chunk of kind of visual inspiration from, uh, we're, we're talking about downsize, of course. Yeah. Um, and a game called I want it's either train yard or rail yard okay yeah train yard that I had not actually played but I saw um some sort of pictures of the cards that someone shared online and it, it what 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 uh, train yard does is this it's like kind of block colors with like silhouettes mm. of the trains and you put them all side by side similar to things to kind of like game of trains as well uh-huh, and okay. the the the, the graphic design of it kind of really stood out to me and I was like oh it doesn't have to be uh imitating the sort of big concepts that you see like sort of big you know lusciously illustrated fantasy games and stuff like that and it, immediately when yeah. I saw that felt a lot more achievable I was, I was like oh that's something I can actually do 
Yeah. And of course, it required a fairly low skill level. But then when I released it, everyone was like, "Oh, it's all beautiful and minimalist." And I was like, "Yes, that's... <laughs> yeah." <laughs> <laughs> that was that was an intention, and not just because I can't, you know, draw the toffee. Like, <laughs> you just you know walking past Frank West and going, "That cost a fiver, that artwork, Frank." Just saying, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like that Microsoft Paint, and it's like I'm just gonna change the background from yellow to orange, save yeah. as. It was I, I I did however put in a painstaking process of like putting all the colors side by side and trying to like group them by strategy and and there was a there was a there was a lot of thought that went into it, but it was literally just changing the <laughs> just colors changing until the they looked right, and I was like, cool, <laughs> sorted. And meanwhile, you're kind of Emily's wondering why? Why, didn't you, why have you got all these tester cards? You're not painting the living room orange. Yeah. Like, no, no, it's for the game. It's for the. It's for the game. <coughs> yeah, I was. Uh, uh, put, you know, getting little Dulux tester pots and painting all over the, <laughs> the walls and screw the security deposit. This is my art. Like, <laughs> I'm dedicate me. myself to this. Exactly, I am Banksy. <laughs> I'm like I'm like the Banksy of cardboard, <laughs> pretty much. But I mean, one thing it'll be said for um, for uh, for downsize, it's it's brave to go for that kind of minimalistic art because, as you said yourself, there just seemed to be a big push. Do you know that people are going around trying to get you know something that looks like you know Leonardo da Vinci would go. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that but the, 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 that's the thing is I I realized fairly early on is if you have a small art budget, and this is not to say that there are other people who have had a small budget and created beautiful games, but on on the whole, if you have a small budget and you're trying to achieve like sort of fantasy flight games level of illustration, it's gonna invariably come out looking a bit, you know, like your goblins are made out of fudge and <laughs> and like it, it it's all gonna look a bit, you know, bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying trying desperately not to offend anyone. <laughs> I know, but there is nothing. I don't know. I think, I think it's not. It's the victim of the whole Kickstarter thing because the standards are quite high. When somebody brings like something out that looks very similar to like a Microsoft Paint kind of thing, you yeah. kind of look at it and you kind of feel kind of bad. But as I say, it's a bold move to say, right, okay, let's go for something simplistic and pretty striking, which it which it kind of was. Um, the, the tragedy of the thing is, I think on Kickstarter is a lot of there are a lot of like really really talented game designers on there, yeah. and the thing about game design is it's quite empowering, and you get to the end of the process and you put it in front of people and they're like, oh wow, this is really fun, and suddenly like, you know, it, it's one of the rare like kind of endeavors people can have nowadays where you'll make something, you'll put it in front of you know minimum four of your friends, and they'll all congratulate you on it. And then yeah. I think a lot of people fall in the trap of, oh, well, if I can do that, I can, you know, I can art direct and I can, you know, fulfill and I can do everything on top of that. And I think a lot of really, really well-designed games just get lost in the fact that, you know, it has its, you know, first five seconds on Kickstarter and there are people in the comments, you know, dissing it because it looks like it was done in, you know, Microsoft Paint. And yeah. I think it's it's kind of heartbreaking um, on some yeah. level. No, I've seen ga- I've seen games that like when you when you watch the the videos and uh, you kind of read the rev- you know read the previews or even you download the instruction book mechanically the game sounds absolutely fantastic, and then looking at it you're kind of like oh that's a bit of a bit of a shame 
kind of you know because yeah. I know people are going to look at it and just go I'm not interested in it I'm going to people go. people just won't drill down exactly exactly were you um were you surprised by the success of Downsize because you went in with a five thousand pound kind of funding goal and you hit yeah I mean you hit six times that I mean you you came you came romping home at thirty one k and I mean this was obviously um I mean this was well over well it was almost two years ago actually now yeah um was that a surprise at the time or were you kind of quietly confident with with um with the kind of the audience and stuff no no it it, it was it was and, and <coughs> I feel like a lot of people would say this kind of to be modest or at least that's what it sounds like but yeah it was a shock um and you can look back at the way that we kind of planned and we built up to it and it wasn't as though we were expecting it to do really really well <laughs> Uh, the the reason the the day we launched it, um, yeah. I had been uh, like reading uh, Jamie Stegmeier's blogs and I'd been you know, sweating over the Kickstarter page and like designing things and redesigning things, and Emily just walked up behind me. I think she was just annoyed at how stressed I was getting over it, and she just said, oh, "Just launch it already, just <laughs> do it, please, for the love of God, just launch it." And I was like, "Yeah, all right, whatever." And then I launched it, and then people started. Immediately, it was within seconds. Immediately, people started pledging, um, and it was I mean, how d- from that from that point up till the end of Kickstarter, it was just a surprise. How did you go about the building the audience for this? Because this is two years ago, and people go, "Well, two years ago, two years ago, shmi doesn't matter." But the the kind of the whole audience building and everything like that has kind of has changed even since then you know i'm seeing people do active kind of social media campaigns and there's kickstarter videos and they're doing kind of like live streaming of how you play the game and everything like that i mean when you were going and building up the audience for downsize was there anything in particular i guess the question i'm asking is if somebody's in your shoes just now and they're about to press the button on their kickstarter you know did you do anything in preparation to build up the audience had you been out there for the previous eight months yeah, you know no. kind of hitting venues and stuff like that or it, it was that, that, that's what i mean about the preparation for it is you can kind of track back and uh, you can look on the on the brain pages and on, on my page and there was really nothing or at least nothing of the scale that people have now yeah um it, w- it was a freak of kind of Kickstarter nature, I think. It, it got Project We Love, and it just kind of very, in the way Kickstarter's designed to do, kind of picked up a, a an idea that wasn't necessarily popular to begin with, but then brought it out to a massive audience. Like, that, that site's got, you know, a million visitors a day sometimes, and yeah. when something gets swept up in that, which I think Downsize what did, um, it has a huge impact. Yeah, I mean, and then obviously you, that went out there. Um, people talk about it, people enjoy it. I mean, do you still, when you've created something like that, are you conscious about kind of holding on to copies of the game yourself so you can sell it at like a retail level afterwards? I mean, did you do that with Downsize or were you just happy that you were like sitting there going, 30k, my goodness. I mean, you're not made obviously 30k because you've got to produce the game, but you've, you know, it gives you possibilities in terms of the what you could potentially yeah kind of well i mean we um, we have produced by about um as, as in we, we produced more than we needed to fulfill the kickstarter by about 500 copies yeah um and you know obviously before long they were sort of gone and, and it was out there and, and people were enjoying it i think 
it was it was it wasn't something we put a, a huge amount of thought into kind of um pushing out to kind of like retail or, or like buying you know thousands upon thousands of copies of it and then dedicating ourselves to it because you know, like the reason this is called uh like brain crack games is it's that each game's kind of an uh an addiction like a, like a project that we kind of get really really involved into in and then we get to the end of it and we say to the people who got involved we were like you know we really thank you for your support we're going to like give you all the product all the all the games and stuff um but we're going to do more stuff and it's going to be different um so we we ne- we we didn't necessarily hang on to downside i think it was to its own benefit that we didn't hang on to it and say oh this is our lifeline this is what people really want like yeah. this is all we're ever going to do we're going to do downsize two three and four and five and six and yeah. make it a franchise like upsize the sequel yeah <laughs> you know um yeah but i mean i guess that that's i mean that at one point <laughs> what's what's that you did it, it crossed course. my mind yeah of course you did of course you did well, you did write it down in the show notes, so I thought I'd bring it up. Um, <laughs> Upside, and then it's just crossed out. Cross, exactly, never. They're just never, my regular notes. Just write it in Comic Sans again. Um, but I mean, is it? I mean, is that what you try to do with it? Do you kind of do the projects and then say, okay, this is this is the one-off. What can we get excited about next? Is that your kind of nature? Do you kind of get involved in a? project become very passionate about it take it to where it is and then kind of do the kind of the i guess the babe thing which is that'll do pig and we'll just leave it to one side and move on to kind of I mean, the next thing it, it, it's a relationship that's changing um <laughs> firstly for business reasons um but also for the fact that now because we're publishing things that designers have brought to us uh, yeah. so we have to give it a bit more consideration than um, you know, we'll do this and then you're back out on the street and then come back when you've got another design sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it started off because that was what our our relationship was as consumers with board games, that we would go out, we'd buy something or someone would recommend something that invariably was completely different to what we'd already played. Yeah. Like not not many people go out there and they, you know, the first game they pick up is a Euro and then they're like, oh, good, I like this. I'm going to continue to play other games within the genre. Mm. Like, People play all sorts of different things for different reasons, and we wanted to kind of be a publisher that did different things for different reasons, and people could it, it then be a gateway for people that they say, "Oh, like I liked their yeah like, sort of small card game. Maybe I'll like their you know slightly larger mining game or their you know hotel building game or whatever." No, no, I, no, I get, no, I totally get that because I mean, um, it's kind of it can be quite easy to. I'm not saying play the safe option but it can be easy to become a company that ends up getting known for a particular style of game yeah and also it's a double-edged sword because you you are you you are those guys that could be kind of like producing different games every single time you release a game um i mean if you look at one free elephant they did um you know they did their own you know they they did they did one game you know and then they went straight they did awesome and then they went straight on and they did Carcosa, which were kind of vastly different games in terms of their theme, yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of the mechanics and stuff like that as well. You know, they were completely different. And for a kind of a new publisher to the scene, that was kind of like a quite a, a quite a brave kind of quite a brave decision. I mean, you moved on to um, 
to uh, I guess this is your your kind of your Empire Strikes Back moment in Kickstarter because you <laughs> you you um <laughs> you know um you moved on to Mind Out and you released you know you released Mind Out um <clears throat> but it went it went twice um, yes. because the first time it the first time it was um the first time it was unsuccessful um did you again I mean, was there anything that you kind of put that down to at the time? Because, I mean, people talk about other successes and this was a close call and everybody likes the, you know, the game that funds at the last Mm. kind of half hour and stuff like that. But obviously there's also games that don't, you know, that just, they don't make it, they don't get through to it. And um, was there, I mean, was there anything that you, you was mined out as much as a learning experience as, say, um, doing Downsized? It was, it was probably the biggest sort of learning experience of a release that we've had because it didn't do well the first time it it came out and that's it was the other side of the kind of strategy that by that point we'd put ourselves to if we're going to release really different things and we came up with mind out we're like we've put a lot of really hard work into this and we we know it's a really good game and then people kind of looked at it and and you know we had a kind of fairly large like following from downsize and we put it out and people were like this isn't anything like downsize what and they were like why was why would we want this because there were people who were into downsize as a design product that yeah. they bought that not necessarily because they were into uh hobby games but because they liked the fact that it was kind of minimalist and it might be a nice like coffee table game for them and yeah yeah then when it was like oh it's like a kind of nice sort of like disney-ish sort of family game they were like oh okay um just to see around, I guess. Yeah, no, but I, no. I mean, it's establishing the brand, though. I guess you know. It's yeah, just, yeah. You, know, you, you can't establish a brand with one product. I mean, it's very, very difficult to do. Um, you always have to look at kind of differentiating slightly. You know, you almost try kind of new things because it's all about kind of finding your feet at the kind of the same time. Did you? I mean, is that kind of what made you again kind of think that when you did downsize, the fact that it kind of managed to hit. A lot of kind of lucky breaks, you know, being the project we love and it getting picked up by various people kind of looking at it. Do you think that was a bit of a double-edged sword that it ended up not preparing you to maybe concentrate on the exposure that you needed for maybe for Mind Out? I think it was something that we we were kind of self-aware of when we finished. We were like, oh, we, we recognise that there's a lot of luck that went in, into this and we're going to have to try harder next time. and. Mm-hmm. In, in a lot of ways, like the you know we we had the the following and we did a lot more kind of exposure and reviews and stuff and there's the stuff that we haven't even hadn't even really considered the downside like there were I don't think there were any reviews on the downsides page when it launched um, yeah and then we had a had an art budget for it as well we brought in Alex Nikiforov who was a really talented guy um, so it was all something that we were, we were kind of oh we're not going to rest on our laurels we're going to try again but obviously because of how different it was it was that that was what stuck out to people. It was it was the thing that didn't have a budget or couldn't have a budget. Yeah. It's kinda of strange that you that downsize didn't have any reviews on it. Yeah. It's something that people say, Oh, it has to have reviews on it and, it, and That's you, madness. Your, your project will fail immediately if you have have reviews. And even now I think it's only had sort of one or two dedicated video reviews. Um so yeah, it was it was something that we yeah I think we were just kind of reluctant because we were still 
you know, we, we were we were students at that point. We were it was it was hand to mouth kind of situation. We didn't necessarily have the money to yeah. be going to print shops and cutting up cards and sending them to people all over the globe. Exactly, and exactly. That sort of thing. And there was also obviously an element of we didn't know what we were doing. Whisper it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have no idea. I was okay. thinking earlier. I was like, what if Richard asked me about, about downsizing, how that went, and it was really just remarkable that it went so well considering everything that could have gone wrong with it. <laughs> but then things are meant. I mean, there's there's um, things are meant to happen for a reason. I well, mean, so I kind of believe. I, I kind of believe. I kind of. I don't know. As time goes on, because you look at it, look at you look at the guy that like kind of like emailed J.B. Stegmaier and said, "Hey, do you want to come on a show that's not been established that long and have a chat about board games?" And he went, "Yep." And I went, <laughs> um, "Okay." <laughs> something either really horrible is about to happen to me, yeah. or something really nice is about to happen to me, or I have done something really, really nice. So you know, to pay that back, I have been like rescuing kittens out of trees and. Helping old ladies cross the road and and stuff like that, but you know, um, I think things like this become a bit of a a kind of a learning experience. And as you say, the landscape on Kickstarter is changing; it's constantly changing. There's always the kind of the next thing. There's always, it's almost like there's a cottage industry around Kickstarter at the moment in terms of let me get you noise. And it's almost yeah. like you don't get noise when you're on the campaign; you get noise. 68 months before the campaign which seems to be kind of like a and it, it's, it's just a way it's something that on on some level i kind of i, I know that it's changed but i still kind of uh resent the things that are now considered like uh gate you know gateways to entry like if you don't have these five things on your on your kickstarter page when you launch it will it'll dismiss you entirely just just because and it and it on 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 one level it's 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 completely fair because there's a billion and one games and why should people look at mine? Mm. But on the other hand, it's you want it to be uh, design and and and, yeah. and 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 the actual kind of thoughts that went in in behind it that that count the most. Well, okay, look at it this way: yeah? Kickstarter. The whole point of Kickstarter was an idea. Yeah, it wasn't called kind of like you know second gear. And it's like, well, second gear, what that is, well, if you've got a budget of about five grand, <laughs> yeah, you know, and you've got your artwork and you've got your prototype copies and you've got your, you know, you've got your video produced and you've managed to get some reviewers on board and everything like that. It it's, was a case it's, of it was it's, an eye, it's, it's kind of changed from there. So some somebody can't come on. I mean, we're talking about the artwork earlier on and some guys you're looking at and it's like, sometimes that's all they can afford. Yeah. You know. Sometimes that's all they can do is to say, "Well, listen, this is this is the route, the easiest route to market. It's all I can afford, and I'm needing, I'm still looking for the funding in order to get some money together to pay for stuff." Um, but there are still, but, still miraculously, those kind of like unicorns of Kickstarter where, with enough um, kind of pre-existing audience, people behind them saying, "Like, no, seriously, this is this person's really good at what they do." Like. Yeah. There are still those those nice projects that you look at and you're like, oh, they they kind of made something unique. Like every every time uh, Bez um, does a Kickstarter, it, it's there's there's a lot of people building around it because they know that you know this is this doesn't look like a, a, a you know cool mini or not game, but trust me, this is going to be cool. Like, <laughs> like get on board every single time. I mean, she's got like a natural flair for just like you know, give me a deck of blank cards and I'll give you the next is going to be three hours of fun. 
Um, yeah. And she's apparently also released a podcast, I forgot to say earlier on, but apparently she's doing a radio show, an internet radio show um, as well. So best best of luck to her for doing that. But then, yeah, she's got a deck of 52 cards and she says, you know, she says, oh, here's different movements and that'll be in a bind. And here's a whole pile of letters and that'll be wibble. Uh, and then, okay, here's a, here's a very quick take that type game involving cats and there's kitty cataclysm yeah but she's she's an artist in the kind of sense that kickstarter intended support intended to support yes out with those kinds of people in mind like yes yes you know and it's as i say we've been down this road so many times about you know the bigger guys that are out there and they're going to be there and they're going to be continue to be there for kind of a while but you know let's not talk about them so you dusted the mine, you dusted off the mine dust and the coal and the grime, and you st- you kind of got back up again, and you went back out there, and this time mined out obviously went ahead and it funded. Yeah. Um. I mean, when it reached the, f- I mean, see, okay, here's, and you don't have, you just have to say, listen, I'm not going to answer this question, but is it frustrating when you put out a project and it doesn't fund first time round? And then you put out the project the second time, and then all of a sudden it seems to fund by, you know, it doubles its funding target, and then it does then some on top of it. Yeah, I mean, a... it, I mean, it, it was it was kind of, um, I, I didn't really change that much about the, the campaign second time around because I kind of knew, like, the, the, we've we I think we were maybe a grand short the first yeah. time, yeah. Um, and I kind of said like. A lot of these people, the people who have come out of the woodwork and they've not heard of me before and they've said, oh, I'm kind of interested in this. Like, I believe in not necessarily, you know, Braincrack Games or Lewis Shaw or any of that, but just the idea of like a kind of pocket-sized mining game. Yeah. And I was like, if we do this another time round, we get all that kind of organic exposure again. Can we get another like, like you know, 10% of those people? Um, and they came through uh, in, in, in their hordes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and it was like it bit of funded. It not fund relatively quite quickly. It was yeah, forty eight hours, I think. It just it like funded, and time. you're just like, are you not sitting there going, "Where were you before?" No, I think it was where were you? Of, we we got to the end of the first one, and we, and, and it was like everyone's like, "Oh, it's really a shame," and I was like, "No, no, 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 sit right there. <laughs> we we will be back after this short break." Like, <laughs> do you know launch I, about? It was another like four or six weeks later. I think it was a very very quick. Yeah, it I was think. kind of a let's, you know, get back on our feet, let, let, let's analyse, let's, and then get back to it, like, not sit around like, feeling sorry for ourselves for too long. What you added to the game, Lewis? Uh, nothing. Yeah, so it's <laughs> still good. Basically, do you know what it is? It's like, you've bought a breakfast, yeah, you've bought a breakfast for you, and the partner, and the wee boy. The wee boy hasn't eaten his breakfast. So we've just stuck it back in the pan and heated it up. Yeah, <laughs> and, we're and, just all the, and it's serve, still delicious, you know. <laughs> just serving it again, like, like but, leftovers. But, but that's the thing. Like I, I, you know, I used to work in a pub, and and if someone came up and it, and it, it was a spoons name drop, I know fancy. Um, people <laughs> would come up and they they pay for all their food, and the card wouldn't go through. And and the first time it happened to me, I was kind of like, oh God, Christ, what do I do? And they've all got yeah. they've all gone and they've sat back at their table and they're like waiting for their food to come out. And and the, I had to just go over and be like, about that, didn't go through. I need you back up at the bar. <laughs> I kind of pull them back up to the bar and then try again. 
and that was on a much larger, more public scale, was mined out. Was can you all just come back to Kickstarter quickly? Can you please? I reckon we can um, actually do it this time. Yeah, uh, at this time it won't give you. You know, it'll be nice. I promise. But it was nice yeah. before. You were just like here, put it out again. It's but like, it, also, it, meant, it meant that we could, we had the steam to kind of hit it, you know a few stretch goals and, and make it a bit fancier and and it was all st- the the thing I've got a kind of mixed relationship with stretch goals because when I made uh, downsize we had like I think three very three or four very simple stretch goals we we're like going to make the cars nicer we're going to make the box yeah. bigger and then we're going to add an yeah. expansion and then I got it in my hands and I was playing it and I was like how could I ever have thought of putting this out in a little tuck box and not having an expansion in it. And the the idea of having stretch goals that you really really want in there, but you're like, well, I'm going to tease you, and then the the possibility that you're going to like fall short of that, and you're like, no, I'm not actually going to. I still really want that in there. I did this with Farsight with, with Farsight as well, where we didn't meet one of the stretch goals, but I'm like, no, it's it's going to be really good if I put that in, so I just put it in. <laughs> because, well, first, I mean, Farsight was different because. Um... Farsight was wasn't yours. Um, no, Farsight it was someone was, else's baby. Fine was so. So I mean, was that? I mean, again, I mean, how did that? How did that relationship kind of come about? Because what I'm thinking here is like you're sitting there going, right? We've done downsize, boop boop. You know, we've done mind out, boop boop. You know, we're looking for another campaign. Did you? I mean, how did that? I mean, how did that kind of happen? Did you just rock up and just say, <sighs> mm, well, you know. I'm going to publish your game. Well, so the, the, the prelude to it being that I met uh, um, Peter Blankov of ITB Games of Subterra fame. Don't know who he is, never heard of him. Well, he's, he's another kind of little indie, like, you know, another guy who doesn't, doesn't get enough respect and, and <laughs> makes these little things, and it's quite cute, you know. Um, I connected with him on Facebook after, it was just after um, the Statecraft, um, campaign had failed because you know yeah. campaigns don't just happen to me you know um uh, and, and and just he, as a quick as say we do love you peter we're only we love you, peter, you know that. Yeah. um he had been chosen to um be on the women's lair at the ukge uh 2016 2016 yeah. um and i kind of said to him i was like how, how do you manage that how do you pull that and he was like oh, i don't know I've just emailed them <laughs> and I was like, well, do you reckon I can just email them? And he was like, well, yeah, probably. So I did. So I emailed them. And I probably shouldn't really be saying this. Um, but I emailed them and I said, can I be a judge? And they were like, yes. Who are you? <laughs> Who are you again? <laughs> um, and so we sat like... and, and, and we got, uh, you know, lots of really good uh, pitches like um, uh, Sarah Kennington of, you know, from Wilson was there. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, uh, Tristan Hall was there. Um, <laughs> uh, Kevin was there um, <laughs> of Legends Untold um, yeah, he's still there he's he, still probably there he's still working he's his still in the Hilton pitching it he is, card. He um, he's still writing his 50 second update of the day <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Terror was being pitched as well and yeah. I remember it because um, Tim Pender pitched Subterra and uh, Pete sort of turned to me, like elbow- elbowed me very hard in the side. So I want that. Um, and I kind of turned to him, I was like, I want that too. And we competed. Was it like over a Dragon's Den type thing? Yeah, well, not on the day, but over the next couple of weeks, did we you have, um, slightly did you have, like, kind piles of. Piles of money in front of you. 
I wish. We had piles of money in mind. <laughs> we were both trying to make the best of convincing Tim to get the game to us. And Tim obviously made the correct decision and went with with with, uh, with, with Peter. Um, but then, I, and and I, I sort of spoke to a few other designers and nothing was quite working out. And I looked at the submissions list and there were lots of really interesting sounding games that um, hadn't made it through to the final uh, judging that year. And that year it was a case that the, the people who were running EKG kind of got the list of pitches. They picked out a few things and those are the people who who were pitching on the day. Um, yeah. So there was no reason for me to not to go back to this list and email a few people and be like, send me a prototype. And there were a few, um, let's say, not the best games in the world on the list. Um, yeah. One of them was uh, Farsight. And it came in the post and it was this big thing covered in sort of like robots and mechs and, and, and RTSs and stuff. I got it in the, in, in, in the post and Emily said, what is this? This, this this looks really kind of boring, this and this isn't this really isn't what we you. usually play. And yeah, and, and what what is this? And we and then we played it, and we really really liked it. Um, and I kind of I I, I wrote to to Jamie the designer, and I was like, here's the thing, I really really like this. Um, and yeah, I wrote to Jamie, and I was like, uh, can, can we publish this? And he wrote back, and he was like, aren't you the guy who did? Downsize and mind out and aren't those like small box games that's a big much much bigger deal and i was like yes but i really 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 want it um <laughs> did please. you put that did you put that voice on yeah, yeah i was like please <laughs> said, please um and i kind of I, I made the whole pitch that you know downsize was just cards and and yeah. uh and mind out was just and then mind out added kind of meeples and 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 it's wood into the mix, and I was like, then surely the next thing should have, you know, minis in it. Um, and he was like, <laughs> minis in a huge tactical war game. Yeah, and he was like, <laughs> sounds legit. What are you offering? Sounds legit. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. Oh, would you like to buy a timeshare as well? <laughs> yeah. And about uh, after a couple months of kind of negotiating on the contract, because. The, the the thing about Farsight was it wasn't just that he had designed the game, is that he had taken eight years designing the game and doing lots of different things and kind of making expansions and then binning them and, and really, really refining the game until it was kind of polished. And, and, and since we've taken on, we've, we've really, apart from, you know, cosmetic things and, and thematic changes, we've really barely changed the game itself. Um... And so it, it it wasn't just a case of taking on a design that a designer made, but something that he'd spent an awful lot of time with and was really, really important to him um, and trying to make the the most of it. So being our first kind of game that we had, we had uh, signed to publish, the pressure was on more than it would have been with any other game, I think. Was it a temptation to introduce changes to the game did you still have to kind of like think actually i i know you know i know that jamie's worked on this for so long but you know i'm not feeling this particular part of the game or i think this could maybe be different did you have to kind of put almost like a i guess a developer head on yeah yeah yeah. Uh, there, there and were, a marketing head on as well which would have been a different thing altogether there are a lot of things that um 
I either um, didn't really like, or I felt weren't kind of uh, clean enough, or, or or I was like, oh, have you thought about doing this instead? And a lot of the times when I was suggesting an alternative, and I was like, yeah, I've tried that. Um, these are the reasons it doesn't work, um, but these are the way that we can kind of refine it for um, for print. Because because he had um, not just um, designed the game, but he had. Uh, Learn how to, you know, use Photoshop and and uh, Premiere Pro, and and he was moving up to try and do a professional production for Kickstarter. Mm. And I said to him on, on like a few kind of points, I was like, the this the, the the stuff you've made isn't quite up to scratch. We need to take, you know, bits back to the drawing board and and retool them. And and and, and when you hold the you know the original prototype. And the finished product side by side, yeah, you, you you can see the link. It's not as if they are two vastly different games, um, but we had a big kind of part in putting the brakes on it and saying, could we change this? Could we, you know, retheme this part? And, and like like for for example, like originally when he pitched it in the rules, um, there were no set uh, factions. It was, yeah. it was it was like kind of blue team, red team, purple team yellow team and it was like i'll make up the name of your faction and what kind of thing it would do and it was, yeah. it, was, it was it was kind of just like a kind of fun little aside and i was like can we have more theme and like lots of lore behind this and try and sort of build it up and 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 and, and credit to him like he, he's he's very he's very um all, all the battles in the development were really sort of hard won and we had lots and lots of almost near arguments about certain parts of it but the 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 lore of it and the kind of world building side of it he did hand to me and he was like what well, one side convinced him that we should do it he was like this is your baby you want this like yeah yeah um, so that's probably the biggest part that i've had uh, with it yeah i mean it's a big i mean i guess it's a case of well if this isn't going to work i'm going to change it i guess if you have got you know jamie's worked on it for eight years there'll be parts of it that he's probably spent weeks months kind of balancing up and thinking it's correct only for you to go actually might need to think about kind of making some, some yeah. changes to that again. It was stuff as well that every time we would, the, 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 the trouble with this was every time we would have this discussion like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure about this, like and he's like, oh well I've really you know, worked hard on developing this. And on the one hand he's he's kind of he's mathsing it out and he's explaining it in like very kind of like clear scientific terms. And then on the other hand, I'm like, but what if he's just spent too much time with this? Like, what if uh, we're we're both too familiar with it already, and when we put it in front of new people, they're kind of going to be like, what is this? What <laughs> what, what have no, you guys even made? I, I see it every single day at my job where I um I work as a um I consult for working with businesses that sell through the marketplaces, and there is nothing more diplomatic than me trying to sell to tell somebody that the product that they've worked on for ages really isn't you know it's that doesn't make sense what you're trying to say to people and you have to kind of completely reword it in order to make it kind of like to people to even understand what they're potentially buying kind of thing so i know you're i know you're going from it's kind of like it's kind of that level of diplomacy where you can say, well, I tell you what, I'll 
tell you everything I like about it and I'll tell you everything that you kind of potentially need to change, but yeah. it's for your own good. And it's like, it's, it's just a simple case of being, what I call being too close too close to the coal face for so long that they can, all they can see is that this is their game and this is or this is their product and this is what they've worked on and that if you change it now, why would you want to change it? Because everything about it is fine. I've been yeah. working on this for years. Because kind of as, as a publisher, you kind of act as a media when you're say, when you're not just saying, oh, I didn't enjoy this in a playthrough or I thought this was a bit confusing, but you're also having to represent the experiences of thousands of people who haven't actually played it yet. And think, oh, yeah. what, what if people don't like this? What if they find it confusing? What if this doesn't flow? And, and, and of course, you, you can never satisfy every given scenario of a game. Like, how many times have you, you played a game that you usually love, but the, the, the day or the people or the time, it just kind of ruined the experience? Like, that's one of the weird things with, with board games is it's so dependent on how involved the people are and, did you, you know, learn the rules word by word beforehand, or did you just flick them open before you're about to play? And expect to know what to do. Like it was something that you have to kind of consider every given possibility and be like, are we doing the best we can here? Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. also trying to not ruin your relationship with all your designers and saying like, and, and making it sound like you secretly hate their games because of course you don't. Otherwise, why would you be there? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, one of the unusual things, I think, um, well, and it's not unusual depending on the type of Kickstarters that you usually go for, but you um, you had two. I mean, the game the game went on and funded. Let's let's face it, it went on and funded. It funded again really, really well, and it was a it was what, considering that your previous kind of target score five k, you kind of went up to thirty k as your kind of like your baseline target. Which when I saw, I must admit, when I saw it, I was like, whoa. That's a big climb from what you were doing with Mind Out, and it was, you know, same with Downsize as well. Um, that was obviously to take into account, obviously, tooling costs and, and everything like that associated with the yeah, game. Yeah. But one of the things was you went down the line of having a pledge that was including the miniatures and a pledge that was just including the kind of the big the game itself. Yeah. I mean, how did that I mean, how did that come about? Was that was that one of those kind of long conversations that you had to have about, you know, I mean, did did uh, Jamie did Jamie already want? Did Jamie have miniatures in mind when he was wanting to put the game out no, there? No, no, no. So it, when it first came to us, it was um, it had all, all all the parts of the elevator pitch that it has now, um, but it was also like, oh, this is a it, it, it's a war game that doesn't have minis. Um, and I kind of looked and I was like, and, and that was I think part of what helped us to pick it up in the beginning was like, oh, we're just kind of adding like punch boards to what we've already learnt from manufacturing. Yeah. Um, and then as we got further down the line, we were like, this is going to be a kind of, not a, not a big ticket item, but it's not a cheap game either. This is like three or four times the price of what we've already made. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the fact that without, so with, without sort of minis, it's quite a flat game. I know that's a really weird thing to say because a lot of board games are, you know, nigh, no. on, nigh on two-dimensional. No. But no. we wanted no, I mean to that. kind of lift it up and kind of evoke the, you know, make it less of a, just a, an abstract. Um, yeah. No, and... I mean, if you're in if you're in the wargaming space, then a lot of the, you know, a lot there's a lot of cardboard tokens and chits and stuff exactly. like that kind of going on. So it is a kind of a, a two-dimensional 
I guess it is like a two-dimensional type of space, I guess. It was it was something that we... Wargamers know what they like. Um, and in fact, when we launched it, there were a lot of people going, this isn't a war game. This is just a board game. Uh, in, in very contemptuous terms, like, how dare you call yourself a, a war game? And then, and then, like, Warhammer fans were like, how dare you call this a miniatures game? Um, and... And it, then it, the downsized fans said... It's not minimalist enough. I don't. Yeah, like yeah. It. Where's the colours? Needs less colours. <laughs> the mind out folk was going. It's gems or nothing, folks. Yeah, I'm leaving. But it, it it was it was that it was it was a case of let's try and find something that makes this game look as good as it plays. Um, yeah. Because we knew we knew it was a really good game and, and something really special and, and we were like oh, we need need to kind of elevate this to a certain level, um, but also not price people out. Which is why we ended up with um, two separate boxes. It was also that when you actually add both boxes together, when you put the, the war chest of, of miniatures on top of the, the core box, this thing's actually bigger than Gloomhaven <laughs> in, in, in terms of box real estate. That's a, that's a strong claim to make, Mr. Shaw. I've done a side-by-side. You, be, side. you better back that up. I, we want photographs. I've got a photo. Of, it, it was with the, um, with the white sample... Um, boxes but yeah it's 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 got got about a couple square inches over it <clears throat> that is um that's pretty that's kind of pretty impressive that is kind of pretty impressive but i mean it came in uh, um the core game and the war chest miniatures kind of came in at about 90 pounds yeah which um funnily enough nowadays <laughs> it's not that expensive <laughs> to well me. yeah i mean well, but it, it was it was also it was something that we're not uh, very well wealthy people um, mm. in, at all, um, <laughs> and we wanted Hi, something that we were like at a stretch. <laughs> can we buy this? Yeah, um, and obviously for a lot of people, for the, especially in like the Kickstarter space where they're used to spending, you know, sometimes a couple hundred quid on a Kickstarter, like, like yeah, sure, I can do that. And it was it was a, just just made it more accessible, um, and we we're actually surprised that the. the Vast, vast majority of pledges were both boxes. But I think it's the thing I'm missing. I think it's the thing I'm missing out. I mean, I know. Do you know what? I guess this is the funny thing when people are screaming out about Kickstarter exclusives, is the fact that most Kickstarters are usually exclusive to Kickstarter. I hate to burst yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I hate to burst that bubble among people shouting and screaming that you know. How dare they say it's only an exclusive to Kickstarter? But I can pretty much look down the line of all the games that I have, um, uh-huh. you know, I've had creators on, and the vast majority of them probably won't see light a day outside Kickstarter unless they've been extremely successful. Yeah, um, you, I mean, you, even you, if you've you, got you, like a few chances to get a Kickstarter, either on Kickstarter. Yeah. Or you attend a convention where that company is in attendance and selling that game. Yes. Uh, or you find one of the retailers, and I mean find one of the retailers that are stocking them because they went through Kickstarter a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, yeah, and people yeah. will turn around and Kickstarter creators and be like, oh, I made this much of my game. And hey, hey, retailers, do you want some? And they're like, not really. No. It's not never sold at retail. We don't no. know that it will now. No. Um, 
you know, it, it, and I'm not. This is not me having a go at retailers because it's a gamble to to pick up. Of course, it is a lot of Kickstarters. I've seen no, I've seen Conan, and I've seen anecdotal evidence of people kind of going, "Ah, oh, yeah, they're selling Conan for." Yeah, you know, it's enough that when I see a when I when I see a friend's in, yeah. Kickstarter in a shop now, I'll take a picture of it and send it to them. Like it's yeah, it, there's not this kind of magical door with distribution written above it where you just kind of no. you walk no. out of Kickstarter I mean, and into that. You have to work really hard for it. I mean, Jamie Stegmaier, you know, he's one of the few guys that you know that we we all know has made made that bright bold kind of leap, and and kind of left Kickstarter behind with yeah. kind of Charterstone. But there's still, you know, as we know, there's still many many companies that just say, "Listen, I mean, I know we're making lots of money, but at the end of the day, we distribution is a completely different thing because in order for me to get distribution." I'm printing 10,000 copies and I don't even know if anybody's going to buy it off me yet. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of the whole, you know, the whole kind of kind of retail game as well. So it's like, you know, so it's, but, but you went, as I say, you went on, it funded 53 grand over a budget of like 30k. Um, it seemed to go quite well. It went, it was um, steady, I think was a good thing yeah. about it. And, and, and you, you kind <clears throat> of went, um, and when, I mean, when you funded, you must have went yes. But when it got to the the end of it, were you kind of like, well, this is yeah, this is this is cool. This is everything we want. Kind of. Yeah, it was a kind of case of this is like this. This is all right, like because we knew <laughs> because we knew the the numbers that were behind the scenes, and we with with I think the majority of Kickstarters, you will slightly you you, you will drop your goal slightly below, you know. The, the everything you would ever possibly need um, to succeed just because yeah. you, you want to hit that goal nice and early and you want to be able to rise above it and if I'd actually you know set the goal at what we needed to make and ship X number of copies we probably wouldn't have funded at all yeah. um, and e- e- even now like we're you know we're, we're on the we're on the cusp of, of fulfill, fulfilling the thing and we're still counting the pennies like it, 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 it's something that it look on on the on the outside. It looks like a, you know, really well done, like really successful Kickstarter. And, and behind the scenes, we're kind of like we're we're breaking it. We're thinking, oh, but what if we do something wrong? And and what yeah. if there is a you know a, you know an unforeseen like event that makes this cost an extra, you know, a couple grand? I'm looking at you, Brexit, um, because that right. happened with our first game. Yeah, we we, we launched Downsize, and it was, uh, you know. Couple of months later, it was twenty seventh of June, and and the morning after, our our bills to the factory went up by two grand overnight. Um, and on the other the other side of it, you get somebody like Frank, lovely, lovely Frank West, who's like you know City of Kings, has uh, you know damaged boxes. He's having to go out and reprint yeah. a whole pile of boxes for people, and it's just unforeseen circumstances. And it's, it, it's and stuff that money out the back of it. People, people could very easily turn around and say, "Well, oh, if you didn't set your Kickstarter goal to the to the right amount to do this, then it's on you." And it, the the thing uh, is, you you can never foresee everything that could possibly happen. Like I, I you know, there are Kickstarter creators now who are like, "Oh, God, I've fulfilled my project, but I'm like bankrupted." It's a yeah. it's a like a hell of a risky game. No, I've seen it. I mean, yeah. I know, I'm, I know of it, and I know of like, you know, even the guys that are like doing, you know, they're doing the big numbers and stuff like that. I mean, it's still a very, very difficult game, and it's like, and for again, it's another thing which seems to be this thing that seems to be cre- creeping in about, 
oh, what you should do is you should set your funding goal as kind of like low as you possibly can. And it's like, do you, do you do we want to be playing this game? <laughs> yeah, it's it's we... it's uh, it's one of these. It's like, oh, we, we we need this to be able to succeed to you know negate yeah. the fact that this probably won't be a hit. You know, this won't be a blockbuster. You know, goal smasher. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got to get this out there. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and and miraculously, I think. The the back like it it was a, a compared to a lot of other campaigns it was a fairly quiet and, and since we funded we've had some people commenting saying like oh is everything all right like it's there's nothing kicking off in the comments like no one's having a go at you like is everything all right and we're like yeah it's kind of it's avoided um, a lot of the controversy. Um, there's shrouds a lot of you know either very successful or very unsuccessful games, um, and some people see it as a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, but you are. I mean, you seem to be trundle. You just, I know it's like we joked about it, it's like the consistency of Lewis Shaw. It's almost like an you know like a Dickens novel or something like that. <laughs> but you just kind of like you you get on the the you know you kind of. Here's like, we're going to be doing another game soon, or we're just doing another game. Here's another game, and 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 kind of Farsight has gone out there. I mean, is there going to be a tale on Farsight? Is there going to be the chance to print additional copies for retail, or is it going to be you know as we said and joked a Kickstarter exclusive? I mean, is there a chance for people to be able to pick it up in the wild? It yes is the short answer. Um, the long answer is um, fulfilling a, a project of the size like. The, your margins will always be close, um, yeah. But you've got, you, we we can hang on to hope because we know that we're going to have um, hundreds more games than we actually sold on the Kickstarter available at, you know, retail or for retailers as the case may be. Like, yeah. we're, we're going to keep pushing this out, and and we've 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 without giving too much away, like we've got big plans for it. Like, like I was saying earlier about you know our, our first few games being like kind of. That's done. Let's move on. Like, Farsight is a a game that I think if if it remains to be seen, but I think when people play it and they they see what's in it and they're like, they, I I expect them to turn around and be like, is there is there more of this? We have more. Yeah. yeah. It's something that, that that begs to be expanded. Um, put it put it that way. Well, you're getting that at the moment with City of Kings. Yeah. You know, and I keep mentioning Frank like I'm obsessed with him. It says like I am looking at a poster of him on my wall. <laughs> we all are. But he's lovely, and he deserves his success. You know, he deserves that. But at the same time, City of Kings just seems to be there's a real buzz about it at the moment. You know, people are playing it and people are loving it, and the Facebook page with it on is on is on kind of fire. Um, you know, it's not like he's. Yeah, the game hasn't crawled into the metaphorical grave and is sitting there hungry, um, which you know obviously draws me into the next game, Dead, <laughs> Dead and Breakfast. Yeah, um, which was again, um, this isn't yours. No, no. So we've so putting it fairly clearly, like with the exception of um, currently the only other thing I have planned to release from my own. Uh, Uber is a, a second edition of Downsize with a you know a number of changes to it, um, but we've we've kind of we decided fairly early on we were like we can't keep developing and releasing games ourselves because it's just we're 
we're going to fade into obscurity if we put yeah. the amount of time into it that, that it needs to, to, to design from scratch a really good game. Um, and, and, and equally, there are a lot of very talented designers out there, and it's, it's quite nice when someone comes to your front door and, they're, and they're, they've got their own excitement for their own project, and it, they're just waiting to kind of spread it to you and, and get out there in the world. And that was, that was exactly what happened with um, Den Breakfast. We, we weren't um, sort of going out there and asking designers like, hey, you got anything for us? Um, it was yeah. a case we were at a um, convention called Dragon Meat in London, um, oh, yeah, which yeah. we're now right regulars at. Um, and this guy called Daniel came up to us. And Daniel was a, uh, a working in finance in London. He was a very sort of well-to-do guy, very intelligent. He was like, uh, my friend back in Brazil, has designed a game. Can I show it to you? It was two games, actually. Um, yeah. And he showed it to us, and we were like, this is really cool. Can we take time to play? And he was like, yeah, yeah, here we go. And this is this is Rodrigo's number, and and, and, and let let us know what you think of it. And it was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was really good. And we were like, yeah, we won this. Um, and it was not initially... Um, themed as a haunted hotel builder that you you fill with uh, with beasts. It was a um, just an apartment building. And yeah. You actually you filled it with lovely things um, like flowers and, and and dogs and teapots and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but we we like to be different, and we had already we, a couple months earlier we had actually um, started designing and then uh, gave up on an idea for a game called Den Breakfast about building a haunted hotel. Um, and we were like, can we have that theme on this game? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> I said, why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, and we worked with um, Louis Durant, who we had worked with on another previous project that um, ended up being uh, shelved. Um, and we went back to Louis and we were like, do you want to work on a new project? He was like, strangely <laughs> enough, yes. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it, it all kind of, like I said, like it came together from um, the different but compatible passions of different people like, all over the world, really. Yeah, because I mean that went out, and that's you know that went on, and that's funded. Yeah, um, and it's, and it's it's a joyous looking, simplest you know simple. Kind of, it's a kind of like as far away maybe from as far sight as you could get, I guess. Yeah, and it goes back to to like like we were saying, like you want there there are publishers out there who every time they release a game, it's like oh this is completely different from what they've done before. Um, yeah. But I liked what they did before, and I reckon I like this one. An example I always give people is um, uh, Renegade Studios, who have made. Yes. Um, uh, Fuse and um, they did Clank as well. I think they did, yeah, they did Clank, uh, Lanterns, all sorts yeah. of things that, that aren't thematically like consistent. Like I suppose you could say like uh, most of them are kind of like family friendly and yeah, and none of them are too like, expensive. But on the whole, they're you know no no, no two games are the same. Um, you wouldn't be able to pick them out on the shelf if somebody gave you like a shelf, you know, a full shelf of board games, and said pick out the renegade ones. You wouldn't be able to pick them out just by looking at the 
the box exactly. art and stuff yeah. like that. It's... You know, you, you wouldn't be able to look at it, the theme. You'd actually need to see it was a renegade game in order to see it was a renegade and game. And I think it's, 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 it's the same kind of formula. Find a designer with an awesome idea. Uh, mm. Find an artist who has a you know unique and, and beautiful style and kind of combine them and with a little bit of crafty development in the background you've got you've got something new um which is something that at least in um you know in, in the case of you know it, anytime i consider uh you know starting a new game with brain crackers like, am i still enjoying this yeah um do i want to give up yet no okay we'll do another one um yeah. and yeah, it's it's just it, I know it just sounds awfully cliche and kind of salesy, but it is just about kind of capturing that passion and that joy that yeah. people have for their their project. And um, about I mean, what's Emily Emily's role in the game? Because I mean, this is one of the things is like I get I speak to a lot of designers, whether it be you know whether it be like Carla Cop or whether you know whether it be kind of like Peter or Frank or Kevin or Sarah or you know. But you know, is I take it Emily's been kind of behind you throughout the whole the whole kind of process. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it, it's a case of um, we're yin, yin, yin and yang in a lot of ways, um, and I'm kind of let's pick up this game, let's let's do this, let's spend five thousand pounds <laughs> on art, um, let's make it out of seashells and you know sprinkle it with gold. And she's like, could we just kind of do cards, maybe? <laughs> she's sort of in, the, in the background sort of sanity checking things and yeah and like she's that. like say what did you have for dinner last night yeah did right right rice and beans did you so eat what, what um, did you sleep and um, yeah yeah she kind of like, like looks after well looks after you grounds you as well because i think it could be easy again we're talking about being kind of too involved in your own project but i guess you can get to the point where it's like we need another F five key on the keyboard, Lewis, because yeah. you've wasted <laughs> the last one from pressing F five every two minutes on the kind of the last campaign, basically. Yeah, but again, she's Which she's she's a victim of the same kind of passion for this sort of thing that we go to, you know, pitches and people show us their games, and she comes away from it like, "Can we have that one? Can we do it? <laughs> that looks awesome." <laughs> that's that's. Hope that's not an impression of her. No, I think if I called that an impression, <laughs> she would come here and beat me. She probably would. And, then, <laughs> and, then, and she's gonna, she's now gonna looking up, going, yep. "Are you talking about me, Lewis?" Yep, she's doing that face. Don't think I won't kill you on a podcast live on air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that would get the people in. It would. It would be like man dies horribly man during dies. podcasts. In, in brackets, Death. we wish it was television, but oh well, it's a slow news day. <laughs> oh, look at that, exactly, exactly. Death by a thousand cardboard cuts. <laughs> um, what's next for you guys, though? Um, I mean, is it is it going to be the normal kind of, like, are you going to do, like, a couple of games a year? Um, you think you've found your stride now? Yeah, I think we've, we've, we've found our stride, and we've also kind of found the pace at which we can release things, and backers will say, okay, that's fine. Um, whereas with some some creators, they have their you know their first big hit, and then two months later, they're like, "Oh, we've got this other one as well." And people are like, mm, "Really?" So, you know, eyebrow raise. Um, 
but we 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 were during we were you know halfway through fulfilling uh farsight when we launched in breakfast and we kind of sent out a backer updating by the way this is what's going on with farsight we're about to launch this other one this is why we reckon we're going to be able to you know manage it you know we're we're, yeah we've thought about this please don't murder us and none of them did um, no, no one. I don't think a single person turned up on the Dead and Breakfast campaign and said, "Where's my far sight?" Um, because we have just nice customers. Really, I've not had many people be very mean to me online <laughs> since we started this, no. which is a miracle. Um, and if, any, again, if anyone here is listening, thank you, thank you for being nice. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have coped <laughs> if you were mean. You don't want to see Lewis cry. Yeah, no, that was I, I, that was what I people said. The first downsize video was like, <laughs> "That's why I've stopped appearing in Kickstarter videos." Because everyone was like, "You look really depressed and sad." Because it was like, like one of those charity videos that you get. <laughs> Lewis is trying to bring a game for you to play. Yeah, please help. Text cardboard eight nine seven three now. And help Lewis bring his dream to life before he cries. It was just so immediate, though, that that I I think I had shown it to uh, um, my good friend Dan Ahern before we launched, and he was like, Are you sure that's what you're going to use? Because you look like you're about to jump jump (laughs) off a bridge. Um, And of course, because my voice does not sound super enthusiastic either, I'm kind of stuck with this droll monotone thing. Um, Oh, so it's okay. I'm going to put it through like the. the auto tuner. Oh thing. yeah, but when you when you hear this, um, Richard will have raised <laughs> it a couple a couple pitches, a couple octaves. I would have put it at like one and a half speed. Just so it just so it's <laughs> audible to humans. <laughs> just so like you know, so it goes through the whole thing will last about 10, 20 minutes. It's going to be fabulous. People are going to be walking a good thing. I think I listened to an interview, but I'm not sure. It went very very fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But no, I mean. You sound like things are. I mean, things are really, really going well. I mean, you've got a couple of funded projects, kind of under. You know, you've got the funded projects under your belt, um, and you're kind of. You know, you, you seem to be. You see, you pop up again on the UK kind of Kickstarter Facebook group, which is pretty. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Um, but if people are wanting to keep an eye on you, on the internet webs, where can we find you? You can find us at. Have you got a pen and paper? Braincrackgames.com. Uh, Braincrack Games on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Braincrack Games on Instagram. And yeah. Facebook.com slash Braincrack Games. Um, and you can email me at Lewis at Braincrackgames.com. And as long as you can remember Brain, Crack, and Games in order, you're all right. You'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be able to find them wherever, wherever you can. Um, if you want to find out where we are, it's really simple. <laughs> Go to Google. Search for We're Not Wizards. Ignore the Apple advert that always appears. I'm hoping we don't get sued by them. By the way. <laughs> I found a YouTube video that's uh, Apple, we provide technical help, but we're not wizards. And I was like, oh, I really hope. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm, I'm already one foot out the door, so I hope no lawyers are nearby. <laughs> exactly. It's, I don't know, you know, we're, we're not, I mean, that's this is my IP. You, you can, I'll take yeah. Apple out in the courts. Come on. But no, if you go to Google, search for We're Not Wizards, you'll find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and Spotify and 
all these other wonderful places. You can find us on a, a whole plethora of podcast catchers now as well, like your um, Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and Podknife. And you can find us on our through Podbean, which is our podcast hosts who are fantastic because every time we release an episode, they put it on YouTube automatically. You can go to our website, which is uh, we're not wizards.com. You can, if you really like us, um, then, you know, the Appley podcasty thing. You know what I mean? Go there, drop us a subscription. Yeah. If you really like what you've, if you really like what you've heard, then jump on to the review bit and give us a review or give us a rating. Do it, you know, or we'll break you, if, your kneecaps. Don't say that. You can't <laughs> threaten. Lewis Shaw is threatening you with physical violence it unless a, you read this show. It was a joke. It's not a joke. I can edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> edit me out saying it's a joke. Um, edit you out saying it's a joke. Let's let's get could, some libel cases going. I could do editing, Mr. Shaw. Um, but as we say, don't give us ten stars because it'll make us big-headed and we're big-headed enough after being viral on Twitter. And <laughs> don't give us a one because that'll make us cry. Give us a five. Because it's average. It's in the middle. And we are also in the middle and decidedly average. But the person who's not being average tonight, the man of the hour, the man who's, if he's not dead, he's giving you breakfast. If he's looking at you through through a far sight, he's never, ever downsizing his thoughts about you. You're never out of mind. There we go. You're never out of mind. It's the wonderful, the fantastic Mr. Lewis Shaw. Thank you, Mr. Lewis Shaw, for coming on. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. It's awesome. I'm delighted you've been on. Absolutely. Uh, There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Mr. Shaw? Um, Accusations have been made, um, but I can confirm I'm neither a uh, wizard, sorcerer, or mage. Fantastic. That's fair enough. Um, Bards are acceptable. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Mr. Lewis Shaw. Say goodbye, Lewis. Bye, Lewis. But everyone makes that <laughs> Every single time. I shouldn't have done it. Let me try and again. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Um, get yourself a brain crack games. Um just for the plethora of stuff that they do, because it's all interesting, it's all very different. So whether you're looking for something wargamey, whether you're looking for something simple and accessible, whether you're looking for, I mean, anything, it's going to happen. Lewis will be putting it out there, if, you know, his previous track record is anything to, to go by. But until the next time, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>